You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am doing really well as a fan of the University of Alabama athletics peoples. I'm really happy with all of them. Uh, They call us Bammers, and we wear that moniker proudly. Just FYI. Especially right now. Especially right now. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I'll talk about them in just a minute. But, Jimmy, like a tick on Kim Kardashian's ass, there's a lot to digest here this week. And um, (laughs) Solid. uh, You know what? I was trying to think, like, I'm trying to come up with some kind of simile or metaphor or analogy or something um, that goes with digestion. And I was like, the only thing I can think of is, I take on Kardashian's butt. So um, <sighs> speaking of butts, really quickly, uh, I was willing to donate mine for the betterment of the University of Alabama when I thought for just a moment there that Devontae Smith had hurt his posterior. Um, mine's not very nice. It's not very round. When I wear a thong, it's like a pendulum. But I would give whatever little ass I have to Devontae Smith right now. Yeah, I'm glad that didn't happen. That would probably slow him down a bit. So oh. – uh, but solid, solid performance by the anticipated Heisman winner. I thought of all the differences in the game, he was the biggest difference. And we can get into forever Alabama versus Notre Dame. But in 2012, the biggest difference between the two teams was how good Alabama was and just completely overmatched Notre Dame on both sides of the line of scrimmage where they had no choice. I felt uh, on Saturday or Friday – that the uh, what, what, what the real difference was was really Devontae Smith. I mean, in terms of they had no answer for Devontae. Had Alabama played four more quarters, Devontae would have just had another 180 yards. Uh, they could not cover him. They would never be able. He's just a completely at a different level than any skill position player Notre Dame has. And while – I think they have closed the gap with the elite teams slightly, uh, and they're better at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they just did not have an answer for Devontae or Najee or Mac. Not really. I mean, Mac, great game. Najee, great game. Devontae, great game. And there is no game planning that you can do to account for six. He's going to get open and make the play because he can't be covered at this level. Do you think it's like Notre Dame is about six years behind everything? It's like, okay, all we got to do is get a better offensive and defensive line, then we're going to be right in the middle of this shit. Well, everybody's like, hey, you know, that was that was cool a while back. But now, which if you don't have a badass quarterback and skill players, it doesn't matter. And I think that keeps proving to be true. You look at the teams that were in the playoff. I mean, the, the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and, and then Notre Dame – uh, Notre Dame had the worst quarterback, and it wasn't close. I mean, it's not – it's not – Ian Book is not a first – probably not a second, third, or fourth rounder. I mean, he's <clears throat> he's fine, um, but he's not – he's a gritty, gutty, coach's delight, all that shit. But he's not going to be the guy that's going to beat you. And I, 
all they could do was dump off to the tight end. Now that worries me when we play Ohio State because that was effective. But um, he's just not—he's not a guy that's going to beat somebody like in Alabama on this stage. Yeah, they beat Clemson when Clemson had some dudes out with COVID, and uh, they got every possible luck of the Irish uh, thing they could possibly get. But he's not a dude that's going to be – if Ohio State had played Notre Dame, guess what? The score is probably the same. If if Clemson had played them, the score is the same. It was the same the last time they played. So um, I think that, you know, in the end, there are three really good teams, and uh, Alabama and Ohio State would play for the national championship now. And, um, man, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I have no superlatives for what Najee Harris did to that poor, poor human being. Um, that he just leapt over. It, you know, Jimmy, I don't know if you saw it, but Magic Johnson, um, yep. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Terrell Owens, all these guys were tweeting like, oh, my God, did y'all see that? <laughs> when other super elite athletes, I mean, when the super elite athletes of the world are like, wow, that should tell us fans that we're not impressed enough uh, and, and wow, what what a what a singular display of athleticism from from Najee, and you know, and he sort of bailed me. I, I was I was reading recently. Uh, Luke and I uh, we blog on Crimson Country Club, and we're always talking about recruiting. And I, I, someone else uh, recently brought up something I'd I'd written. You know, when we signed Najee, and, and at the time, and I try not to get carried away. I try, but uh, at the time we signed Najee. Uh, I said he would be that he was the Julio Jones of uh, of our running back recruits of the Saban era, and that that Najee would prove to be just as good as a running back as, as Julio was a wide receiver. While I, I did overstate that, and I, I admit that that was probably wrong, the fact that Najee is leaving Alabama, uh, leading us to a national championship game, and as Alabama's all time leading rusher. He sort of bailed me out this year. Now you can argue uh, that Najee is is on the very, very, very short list of the great running backs to ever play football at Alabama. And the fact that they devalue running backs in the draft and that Najee won't be a top 10 pick, uh, you know, but that, that that's just the nature of today's draft. That, that, that has no bearing on where Najee should rank uh, among the all-time great running backs at Alabama uh, because – I mean, Ingram won the Heisman and went, you know, 28th, and Henry won, won the Heisman, went in the second round. So when Najee goes in the second round, don't that's not a disappointment. That's just how, how it works in 2020. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I think you could say Najee's – I don't know if he's the best running back in Alabama history. That not may, might go to Derrick Henry, especially now that Henry's teared it up in the NFL. I think we are appreciating him more now than we did then. Um, but uh, and he's not the most important. I think Ingram might have been the most important. He broke the seal on the Heisman. Um, we needed him so badly at, at, in '09. I mean, he was just a, a man child, um, and he had 1,400 yards. And we thought we were just putting through silk. And <laughs> frankly, 1,400 yards is sort of pedestrian to these days. But um, <clears throat> I think that Najee is up there with Henry in terms of of the best all time, but I don't know about most important. Um, and I don't think he'll be as fondly remembered as like a Henry or a Ingram or maybe even a Trent Richardson. Cause the one thing you and I always talked about, Najee's never had those 
huge breakaway runs. Uh, this run, the run that he did, the hurdle was actually weirdly yep. the longest run of his career. I think fifty-two yards, and I think there was no more Najee Harris moment than still not scoring on that play. Like if he scores on that, <laughs> that's play, right. That sums he, it up, doesn't it? If he scores on that play, I swear, I think there's some people who are like, "Hey, um, you know that Heisman ballot I sent in? I need to change mine." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's totally true. If he had scored, it, that would that would have been such a Heisman moment. It was after the oh. ballots already due, but such a Heisman moment. Uh, man, what 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 a play! But the fact that he was caught now, the guy he didn't get caught from behind. He didn't run right. four eight. He he didn't get caught from behind. He got caught by a DB that was coming across the field that that had a really good angle on the play. Uh, but. You're right. I mean, that was the quintessential forever defining Najee play, the big play that helped us win the game. The hurdle that showed the unbelievable athleticism and and natural gifts that he has. And then he makes a 53 longest run of his career. But does he score? Of course he doesn't score. He's not a home run hitter. He's He's a doubles hitter, and and I'm not sure who leads uh, Major League Baseball history in doubles. Um, it's just probably not, you know, Bonds or, or, or Hank Aaron, you know, money I mean is there's, there's home run hitters and there's doubles hitters. Najee is pro maybe that's the best way to put it that Najee is the best gap hitter, the best doubles hitter in the history of Alabama football or the best that we've ever had. And, and I mean, as a compliment, he, he but he, he, was he a home run hitter? No, no. Well, and he hits a lot of doubles. I mean, he and a um, lot of doubles so, every week. So, and and the thing is, he is his uh, cleanup man is Devonte Smith. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> he, he could bring him home. You know, that's the way it seems to go. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. They've already come out with a spread, of course, for this Alabama Ohio State game is seven and a half, eight is where it's been fluctuating. Uh, we'll talk about that. But they're going to have all kind of – any prop you want, go to betonline.ag and check that out. Sign up with promo code Locked On and you'll get a nice deposit bonus. You want to go to betonline.ag to do all your online gambling. You can do poker. You can do blackjack. You can do all types of crap. Whatever you want to do. And craps. Um, you can, I think uh, you can do all of that. You can visit their good visit them at uh, at betonline underscore ag for uh, Twitter if that's what you fancy. But you do get a fifty percent welcome bonus when you use promo code locked on. Man, they, they, all kind of NFL games tomorrow. Hurry up, go up, sign up. Let them know you heard about it from the Locked On family of networks. Betonline.ag. It's where you go when you want to place that big old winning bet. Okay, Jimmy, um, <clears throat> one thing that I've noticed these last two games, uh, Alabama against Florida and against Notre Dame, it doesn't seem like we've taken a lot of deep shots. Now, we, we've taken some uh, moderate shots, but we hadn't, we hadn't thrown the deep ball. And I don't, I don't know if that means anything or if we just hadn't had to do it or, or what. But uh, we have not thrown the deep ball, and that was something that kind of defined us early on. Uh, throughout the year, and then these last two games, it just seems like it's not there. Did you right. think there's a reason? Yeah, I think there's two things that leap to mind. Um, number one, um, Arkansas. Uh, I know Alabama scored a thousand points in that game and won that game easily and blew Arkansas out. 
but Alabama completed zero deep passes in that game, zero, and I don't think Mac had a single touchdown pass. And it's because Arkansas played us a certain way. They played a, a deep, two, two deep zone coverage that's sort of like, hey, y'all can hammer us to death all day with this eight and 10 yard shit, but you're not throwing it over our heads. And Arkansas played that way against us all day, and they did die a death by a thousand cuts. So it was, it was I'm sure, painful for them. And, and not, but what it does, Luke, and what people don't realize when you get this late into the season, that was great film for teams that have better athletes in Arkansas. They, they saw that Arkansas actually could dictate to Alabama that, that the way that they played uh, dictated us and took some things away. And I think it's film like that that teams with more elite athletes like Florida and Notre Dame see. They're like, hey, we're not going to do what they did, but we're going to use some of that when we need to use it. And the fact of the matter is after you've played now, Alabama's now played 12 football games. Ohio State gets to watch Alabama play 12 times when they devise their game plan. So they know what works and doesn't work. And we'll know them just as well. It's not just an advantage the other team has. We, we'll know them just as well. But when, when you wonder late in the year why you're being defended a little better, sometimes it's not just the dude. Sometimes that is the chess game because they've all yeah. had an opportunity to see us play a lot. Now, secondly, here's another thing. I, I did notice, and I've not watched the whole replay yet. I did see quite a bit of the game again today, but, but not the whole replay several times the original uh the the number one option on the pass play in terms of where mac looked first back takes a snap and and sort of is looking at where he wants to go with the ball i thought several times he looked deep first and mm. and and pulled it down and decided not to do that and then went to a check down or to something else uh, I, I thought several times so just credit notre dame with mac and mac mac didn't see what he wanted to see, and, and he went with something else. His completion percentage was, as usual, very, very high. I think he was 20 out of 25, maybe, uh, which is ridiculous <laughs> against a really good defense. Notre Dame was sixth in the nation in scoring defense. And, and, and just like all the other power fives, the ACC was not a bad league this year. The SEC, you know, it, it wasn't up to its normal standard. And I'm not saying the ACC is better, but – Notre Dame played a fairly tough draw and finished sixth in the nation in, in, in scoring defense. This is a really good defense, and I don't think Alabama fans credited Notre Dame enough with how good they were going to be on defense. And then Notre Dame held Alabama to their lowest yardage and lowest point output of the season. And uh, you got to give Notre Dame some credit for that. But, uh, yeah, I think Mac wanted to go deep a few times and just didn't pull the trigger. Um, Jimmy, I, I, look, I want to recap this Notre Dame game as much as anybody, and I, I guess we'll talk about Sark leaving for Texas here in the final segment. But um, the one thing I want to go back to Devontae for just a minute, I think it was his first catch. Was his first catch the touchdown? I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering right now. I might think have it been. <clears throat> and it might I have think been. He made it look real was, easy. But that was such a moment where you looked at the Notre Dame defensive backs, the – when he caught that, I thought it was going to be a nice gain, and I thought the guy had an angle on him. And then immediately Devontae Smith sped up and, and got through there and scored, obviously. 
And it reminded me of Derrick Henry in 15 against Mississippi State late in the game. He busts one for about a 65, 70-yarder. And I'm in the stands in Starkville, and I go, oh, man, I, I don't think he can get the corner. I mean, not get the corner. I, don't th- I think that guy's got the angle on him. And then Henry just had another gear, and, and the guy, even with the angle, couldn't catch him. And I, and I thought that, that's the difference between Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson players, and everybody else in the league who's pretty good. The difference is that one little bit that Devontae and, and Derek Henry seem to have that they can they can make you miss when you have the angle. They can make you not catch them when you have them when they have the angle. It just doesn't matter. They're just that much better than you. And Devontae has such a nose for the end zone. Um that that second catch for a touchdown he had, or I guess it was the yeah, second catch for a touchdown, I think, is when he when he did the toe tap, right? Um uh, that might have been the third. <laughs> I think that was the third actually now. Um but the you know, you see it live, and I, I know they called it a touchdown, and I guess they they were sort of programmed to call him a touchdown because there's no way the official saw that he actually got in bounds. And when you see it in slow motion, you realize it, how much concentration and talent it took for him to bring that ball in. It, it was – he's just amazing, man. He's gone from, a you know, a, a player that everybody go, man, what a great receiver he was at Alabama, really nice receiver. You know, he's not Julio, but not Amari, but to – I think we can definitively say he's the best receiver in Alabama history now. Uh, I I, I said this a few weeks ago. I'm not changing it on that. I'm not sure the answer to that question is I just know this. If anyone tells me I have a strong opinion that Devontae Smith is the best wide receiver in school history, I would never argue against it. You're, that that in other words, that opinion is not wrong. You're not wrong if that's what you believe. You're not wrong. I, I'm not. A, I'm not sure it's it's correct, but it's it's not wrong. And he, this is how good he is at 170 pounds, which just makes him very small NFL standards and pretty small for SEC standards. 170 pounds today on the ride back from Tuscaloosa. I heard on national talk radio, these guys talking about the Eagles and uh, they, they knew the Eagles situation really well. And uh, they were discussing about, you know, what to do with Wentz and what to do with Jalen Hurts. And uh, and the Eagles are going to have somewhere around the sixth pick. And, and the host of the radio show was like, uh, well, this is how you improve the team, whether it's Wentz or Hurts, you take Devontae Smith six and now your team is much better. And I'm thinking <laughs> he's 170 pounds and is thought of by neutral observers, not Alabama fans, neutral observers who sort of know what they're talking about as an NFL franchise changer. I mean, that's that's crazy for someone who's not the 6'5", 215-pound freak. You know, uh, Devontae is just – the hands are so great. The routes are so precise. His burst is fantastic. No, he's not going to run a 4-3. Maybe he's going to run right at like a 4-5-1. But the, what makes him a freak athletically is he's at his 4-5-1 in about his third step. Yeah. About his third step, he's running as fast as he runs. And that is he has elite burst. It's, it's elite. Now, the top end speed, NFL, some guys might catch him. But in the NFL, not in college football. But his burst is elite. His IQ, 
off the charts. And, and, and really, here's one more thing. We haven't talked about this enough. I think it comes from playing together for four years. And let's remember, while this is Mac's first year as a starter, Mac's been out there throwing balls for four years, and they're both gym rats, right? Mac Jones has thrown a million balls to Devontae, a million balls in four years. They have a great chemistry. I, I don't think there is any surprise. I think Mac always knows where he's going to be. I think Devontae always knows where the ball is going to be. I think Devontae is very comfortable catching any ball thrown by Mac, and it comes from a million reps, half of them not at an official Alabama football practice, but on the band field or in in a backyard of an apartment complex. They've been throwing balls for for over four years, and it shows. Jimmy, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. It's good for keto diets. Absolutely delicious, first of all. That's the first thing. You want to know that this this thing that we're trying to sell you guys is good. It's awesome. We've had them. Jimmy and I both have. They've got all types of products, too, like the Built Go and some immunity things, et cetera. But the Built Bar is what I really love. 18 different flavors covered in chocolate. Great for keto diets, which I'm going to have to go on because I've gained so much weight here recently. Um, I'm going to have to go on some kind of diet. I think I'm just going to be eating Built Bars for a while. But uh, I'm fine with that because I love them. they got a flavor called Carrot Cake, which is my absolute favorite. But they got a flavor for everybody. Trust me on that. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked on this L O C K E D O N dot com, or do you don't have to use dot com on that? You lose promo code locked on. That's why I don't know why I said dot com, but you can go to locked on dot com too. I don't care, whatever you want to do. Use the promo code locked on to get 20% off your order from Bill Bar. Trust me on that. You want to go get them, They're absolutely delicious. I love to eat, I don't tell you things. I don't try and sell you things that I don't want to eat. I'm not going to try and sell you turkey or deli meats. I hate both of those things. So I'm going to sell you on Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com. Check them out for us. Jimmy, this final segment, uh, first of all, I want to tell everybody, go check out Locked On Bets. It's the new podcast from the Locked On Network that just talks about betting and, and gives you all this kick-ass advice. Um, they're really good. I think my boy Q is the host of that. Um, he's a super, super guy. Uh, he's also host of the Locked On Raiders uh, podcast. I've been on his podcast. He's a super guy. But uh, go check out Locked On Bets. Meanwhile, I think we've got – look, <laughs> as I said earlier, there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, we could t- you know talk about this Notre Dame game going on. Um, but, you know, frankly, <laughs> we'll bring it up some more. But once Alabama got up 21-7, to 7, I mean, really once Najee hurdled that dude, I think everybody in the world know, okay, this thing's done. This thing is done. And it was. Um, and I hate that they covered. I would have much rather covered. But regardless, uh, we can talk about a Rick Gilbert officially in the transfer portal. Uh, we can talk about a huge, monstrous basketball win that literally just happened uh, over Tennessee. Man, so proud of Nate Oates' crowd. I, I was, I've been kind of hard on him recently. And whatever happened with he and John Petty seems to have uh, turned – maybe turn the season around to some extent. And now Alabama's got a monster game against Florida uh, upcoming on Tuesday. But we'll come up – we'll talk about that later on. We can talk about the turmoil in Auburn. There are a lot of rumors that some guys are going to be transferring and uh, it's going to be bad. But I think we've got to talk about Steve Sarkeesian, who will coach the national championship game against Ohio State. But he is going to be the Texas head coach. It's already been announced. And not sure who all he's taken with him from the Alabama staff, but I think we can uh, – 
safely say it'll be somebody or somebody's. Yeah, yeah, a lot to uh, a lot to digest. And uh, first of all, Sark did a fantastic job at Alabama. We should all be grateful and thankful and uh, appreciative of uh, of let's see, even talk about personally. We all know his personal problems, which led to him leaving Southern Cal and ending up as an analyst at Alabama and part of the Nick Saban re- coaches rehab program. And wow, uh, wow, we should just be all like, like wow, Here, here's a guy who's given a second chance by Nick. And let's give Nick credit. I mean, he was, you know, Sark was, was, was you know, radioact- radioactive. I mean, where, who else was giving him a chance? Nick did. Nick saw how he could help us. And boy, boy, did he. And uh, really happy for him. Really happy for Texas and in terms of they're getting such a, a great coach. Uh, who just just great so I, i'm not upset at all um the fact of the matter is when you're the best football program in the country coached by the greatest to ever do it everybody else wants your assistance it's a compliment to nick saban and a compliment to alabama and we've seen nick saban do this a hundred times now he's just going to go hire another great hire even the hires that, <laughs> this is the funny thing about about nick at offensive coordinator even the hires that don't work out Per Nick's standard, Brian Dable, he's one of the hottest offensive coordinators in the NFL. He's about to be an NFL head coach. Doug Nussmeyer, who who you know who people forget him, right? In 2013, Doug Nussmeyer set every offensive school record we had and was fired at the end of the year or replaced at the end of the year. And I mean, in terms of if winning games and margin of victory and scoring points meant anything. Nussmeyer set all the records back then. Now they've been broken since then. But even Nick's hires that, quote, didn't work out were all great. And uh, But Sark was one of the best of the best. So I have total confidence Nick will make another good decision. And I know everyone wants to know. Sark had left for Texas, and within three minutes, I'd gotten multiple texts and comments. Who's the next guy? How, well, how the hell would I know? Nick doesn't even know. Not, you know, Nick doesn't even know right now. So I don't know. But I also know this. Uh, don't be stunned if we promote from within. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I'm not telling you all here that's going to happen. But a lot of schools are very interested in Charles Huff as a head coach. Um, he's done a fantastic job with our running backs. He's more than qualified. He's more than ready, I think, to get his shot as an offensive coordinator. So, there is a ready-made quarterback coach who has a fantastic rapport with our quarterbacks who seems to be great on the recruiting trail in Tino Sinceri. So just one idea that I would throw out there is uh, Charles Huff as offensive coordinator slash running backs coach uh, with uh, Tino Sinceri coaching quarterbacks. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule, I wouldn't be quick to rule that out, nor would I say that it's a bad decision because if that's what Nick Saban goes with, I think we can all assume it was a hell of a decision. No, I agree, and I, I don't think there's any fan out there that should harbor any ill will towards Steve Sarkeesian. If, in fact, I think everybody should stand up, applaud him, and say, man, we we appreciate you. You you kicked ass for us, and you worked your way into a magnificent job where you are sure to get an incredible buyout in the next four to five years. <laughs> so 
Um, I think that <laughs> because that's pretty traditional. Um, and I think that he you almost made me spit out my Coors Light there. He's going to be uh, spit, spit out your Coors Light and that you dipped a built bar in. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, and the interesting thing is, of course, we play Texas in 2022 there in Austin. Um, I, the only thing that scares me, I don't think Kamara Wheaton has signed, right? No, he is just simply committed. Well, I just wonder – I, I doubt Sarkeesian would be the kind of guy that would, like, just go after him. But coaching is a ruthless business. So maybe he will go after him and try and flip him. I don't know. Um, he, Kamara was down to us in Oklahoma. It wasn't like Texas was really in the game anyway. But uh, they may be now. I, I hope not. Um, I would certainly love to, to keep him in the fold. But, you, you know, if you're Texas, man, this is a big gamble. And it seems like a lot of their fans aren't really – uh, loving the idea of replacing Tom Herman with Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I I get it because I think if I were them, I'd be like, we could have held on with Herman for one more year and seen what's going to happen and then maybe go after somebody like this. And I think everybody would have been more excited. Uh, I just saw a stat on ESPN that said that uh, Tom Herman is the first Texas coach ever to start four and oh in bowl games so he went he went to four bowl games won them all at texas that's i mean it's he, no playoffs but they hadn't been to the playoffs anyway so um i think it's maybe they didn't give him enough time i i don't know I mean, obviously when you lose the brockermeyer twins and you lose a lot of other dude Jalen milrow and you lose kamar wheaton and you, you, you they lost a lot of dudes from texas Jaden roberts um you know, I guess that sort of pisses your fan base off. But in the end, see, they're getting Steve Sarkeesian, who I love and adore and appreciate him, just like I appreciate Lane Kiffin. Um, I, I can't thank him enough. But they ain't getting Nick Saban, and that's that's the problem. That's their problem. That's the, that's that's their problem. And hey, this is the way I look at it. I mean, I'm a spoiled. I'm a spoiled asshole. I mean, I'm a spoiled now. I'm just ruined. Nick Saban has ruined me. But this is what I'd say to any Texas fan that's not excited about Sark is that, God forbid, had we gotten news today that uh, that Nick was going to be stepping down after the Ohio State game, but Alabama was was announcing they were hiring Steve Sarkeesian as our head coach, I would have been, A, devastated that, that Nick is hanging it up, but B, thinking, no, no, we, we hired exactly who I, who I would want to hire, even over Dabo. I know that's extremely controversial, maybe even stupid because Dabo has won national championships and has been so successful, you know, but, but uh, Steve Sarkeesian was exactly who I wanted uh, to follow Nick. So if Texas isn't happy with him, I guess I'm the idiot. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that, but I get Texas's fans' point of view too. It's not exactly. Like oh, I, I now do. I think they they fired Tom Herman too early. I actually do. I mean, I, I actually do. He improved their pro, their program was improving and getting better, and would have been ranked even higher preseason wise next. I mean, he was improving the program. It just wasn't fast enough or big enough for them. And uh, I mean, and, you know, when they hired Tom Herman, they hired the hot OC from the national champion, right? I mean, 2014 Ohio State wins the national championship, and, and then Tom Herman ended up at Houston, where, where he won what. But they basically hired the same guy in so many respects. I mean, the hot OC. Now, I know Tom Herman had been head coaching, 
But Sark has also been a head coach and did well. I'm just saying I don't see a giant difference resume-wise between Herman and Sark. So I, I, I get that part of it. You know, if I'm the, and, and what, how about this, Luke? We haven't talked about this. It's probably not going to happen because Tom Herman is so rich and he can do whatever the hell he wants, including just buying an island in the Caribbean and just retire to it. He could do that. But sure. I mean, who is the best available offensive coordinator in the college football world today? Tom Herman. And he knows Nick. By the way, that's inside baseball, but he. Tom Herman and Nick Saban know each other, like each other, and do talk. So could Tom Herman be our next offensive coordinator? I wouldn't rule it out, but I also wouldn't go so far as to say, hey, that's going to happen because these coaches that are just getting out of the pressure cooker and they already have millions, you know, some of them don't want to jump right back into the frying pan. All right, buddy. I do want to talk about some of these other topics uh, as we go on throughout the week. I'm probably going to put this podcast out tomorrow, which is Sunday. Um, just give everybody a little uh, early or late Christmas present or I don't know what it, it doesn't matter. Um, I've been traveling so much, man. I've, I've been all over the dang place. But um, anyway, I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season. Looking forward to 2021. And now uh, we've got to beat Ohio State because, as most of you who listen to this podcast know, my three children live in Columbus, Ohio. And as my daughter said, I don't want to play Ohio State because if we lose, it's going to suck for me. I said, yeah, but if you win, it's going to be awesome. She goes, no, because, like, there's still nobody there to back me up. And, um, <laughs> that was a good point. Good point. Just stay strong, roll tide, all those things. So, uh, Jimmy, roll tide. Roll tide.